Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Rita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. It's our pleasure to welcome you to the program. Please stay with us for this hour because we have prepared a study which again will um, draw our attention how to manage for the master until he comes. Today we are going to look at uh, giving back a wonderful opportunity for us all to be involved in God's ministry. And I'll invite you, my dear friend, to stay with us for the whole hour to benefit of all these beautiful teachings of the Bible. I would like to welcome our panel. And it's good to have with us today, Ken. Thank you, Nick. It's absolutely wonderful to be here today and uh, to look into another very, very deep and meaningful study. Joe, it's good to have you part of this program too. It's great to be here. Thank you, Nick. Welcome, Jenny. It's good to have you back. Morning, Nick and panel. Good to be here. Lija, thank you for joining us. Yes, it's wonderful. Praise the Lord for that. I feel very blessed. Will, thank you for um, coming together and share on this panel. Thank you, Nick. There's some good life lessons here for us all. We pray that the Lord will bless us. And Brenton, Thank you for being part of this program today. In particular, we thank you for preparing this Bible study and um, you are going to facilitate this discussion today. Uh, welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be able to do that. But before we really get in our teeth into the study today, I came across this statement that I wanted to share. It says, let none withhold these small amounts and let those who have much rejoice that they can lay up in heaven a treasure that faileth not. The money that we refuse to invest in the work of the Lord will perish. On it, no interest will accumulate in the bank of heaven. Someone has pointed out uh, to us, Nick, that um, this quarter we have spent predominantly a lot of time talking about money, and that is so. However, we also need to broaden that, I think, not only for ourselves as a panel, but also for our listeners to recognise that helping others involves more than just the expenditure of money. So I think we need to bear that in mind as we prepare this study and as we go through it, help us to remember that time is another commodity that you can't actually put a value on. And helping others involves sometimes much more than simply giving them some money. So in our series of studies so far in Managing for the Master, we've looked at the use of our money and goods as all coming from God and how we may avoid covetousness and a refusal to help others as we see the need. You might remember in our study last week, we talked about the issue of covetousness. We have explored the purpose of tithing and offerings as God has commanded, but also our response to his goodness and mercy and as the provider of all things. Today, we're going to look at, and I found this an interesting comment in my research for this study. Um, it's called the returning years. I've, I've chosen to call it that. The house is paid for, the children are educated and setting up families of their own, and we have reached the stage of retirement. This study, incidentally, guys, is not just for retirees. It's for all those who need to start thinking about those things in the future, even when we're young. It still applies. If we have achieved financial security, how can we return or give back to God and lay up for ourselves in heaven a spiritual legacy 
I've chosen to call it a legacy because I believe that's what it is. Uh, it's called Treasures in Heaven and support the work of the church and its mission here on earth. Should I broaden that by saying and support those who are in need? Because I think it needs to be said that our society is struggling. We have in the past briefly touched on the cost of living in uh, our society here in Australia and how every one quarter of percent interest raise puts additional pressure on people. Now, just to use an example, recently I read that if you have a $500,000 mortgage that you were paying at the moment, and many people would have something of that magnitude, you are paying now, compared with when you took out the loan, about $1,000 more per month than you were paying back then. Now, that is the straw that is going to break the camel's back for many, many people. So we need to be aware of those things as we're studying this topic and uh, recognising the needs of our society around us. Will, I wondered if you would um, share with us a prayer. Please ask for the Holy Spirit to guide us in our study today. Certainly. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, as we approach your word or your counsel on how to live, we pray that you will help us. Help us to align ourselves with the principles of heaven. Guide us into true honesty and complete submission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. In approaching this subject, we have some biblical parables and practical applications for this week's study. The first one is found in Luke chapter 12, 16 to 21. Will, I wonder if you'd share that with us and uh, that we can then discuss it, maybe break it down and have a look at it in detail as a panel and uh, share our thoughts on what Christ is talking about here and where this man, who we commonly refer to as the rich fool, is a bit like the rich young ruler, the rich fool, uh, the woman of Samaria. These people are not given names. (laughs) Nevertheless, um, the principles that Christ wants to teach come through very clearly. Thanks, Will. Yes, Jesus tells the story in Luke twelve sixteen to 21. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this will I do. I will tear down my bonds and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Notice those uh, last that last phrase, not rich toward God. Uh, Brendan, may I just point out, this parable is actually uh, comes directly after an, ans- an incident of a dispute between two brothers. And um, Luke 12, 13 to 15 says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbiter between you? 
Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Especially relevant there is uh, what he says in that last phrase, Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. So this may seem to us as a um, direct a target against all that are rich, but I think the panel will make some valuable comments as sure. God is not attacking the rich here. God is speaking on how they regard their riches and what they really do. Mm, thank you. Uh, Ken, have you got some thoughts on this? This is a most interesting parable. It is, and I'm not attacking the rich here, but I'm just pointing out something that's quite factual. We often hear of very, very rich people who, to our way of thinking, have absolutely everything. But when you actually talk to them, you often hear they feel empty inside. There's something missing and they're, they're chasing wealth or they're chasing to expand their empire and so on and so forth. But it's never enough. They keep going and going and going because the, the thing that's missing within, within them is the knowledge of Jesus. And they're not aware of that. And I know it's very easy for us who are, I'll say, everyday people. We're not certainly wealth in any way, shape or form. But uh, to, to us, these people have got everything. But the reality is many of them are very unhappy. Yeah, that's a valid point. What do uh, the panel members think of the comment, Jerry? Just a quick comment, uh, Brenton. I think it's about focus. Where is your focus? Yes, um, there's nothing wrong with being rich. We know that in the Bible, many times we uh, read about rich people. And there are some really good examples, especially from the Old Testament, where we yes. read about people who are very wealthy, but uh, they don't necessarily lose their focus on God. You can honor God as a wealthy person. But the, the, the tragedy is that so often when we start accumulating wealth, their focus shifts from God to the wealth, to the riches, uh, to the to the material things that we've uh, accumulated. And that's a big trap, and we have to be very careful. Um, Jerry, that's a good comment. Anybody else got a comment on that? I think, to me, this is a story that tells me that you might think that you've set yourself up well for the future, that you yes. have – there are nothing – there are no shadows in the horizon. It's all plain sailing. You've got everything that you could ever want, and you need and you lack nothing. And then it shows that suddenly – Things can change very quickly. And so not to put our trust in our own, what we have acquired, our own position today, because tomorrow is a new ball game. And so I think this is where it says that we need to be rich toward God rather than placing our trust in, you know, the things, our, you know, bank account or our house or whatever that it is that we value so much. That's a good thought, Joe. Can, can I tease out? the comment you made, being rich toward God. What do you see as being rich toward God, meaning in uh, our contemporary society? Well, I think that's a very good question because it could mean a number of things to different people. But how much time do you spend contemplating heavenly things? So time, time is one. Time, yes. you yep. know, what have you done to alleviate perhaps the suffering of someone and it doesn't mean that you're you're there, you know, digging their garden over, but it could be that you are there for them and listening and hearing and sympathizing, being there for them wherever they might find themselves, um, not being judgmental. It could mean any number of things, being there for others mm. in many ways. 
I'm sure the panel can come up with the number. (laughs) Um, It it could mean digging their garden, Joe. That's one thing it could mean. Yes, I know, but we often think we often think you know we could dig their garden, but I'm too old for that, and I you know I don't you know I can't do this. But it doesn't have to be a major physical operation. It can actually be something small. So the principle really is to be there for them. Do you think? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Nick, you had a thought for us too. Yes, again, uh, coming back to the parable, in principle here is the dispute in between those two brothers because of the money, because of the wealth, because of the possessions, if you like. And that's the the main thing here, because uh, as the Bible puts it, uh, that the love of money is what? The root of all evil. The root of all evil. And, you know, this is very interesting. Whatever we may say around, the truth is that when you have a lot of money, you start to think differently than when you don't lavish, to say so, in a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's a good thought, Nick. Yes. What attracted mm-hmm. my attention just the other night was that, you know, here um, somebody won the, the, the jackpot, $11,000. From one of those uh, machines, the pokies, uh, which we don't encourage, of course, anybody to to go towards that. But he won 11,000 and now the people, they don't want to pay him because there is a law in place that if you are addicted to those sorts of games, you're not able, you know, but they are happy for him to, to play there for long as he can, losing a lot of money, borrowing a lot of money. He's probably and, spent more than $11,000 over the time right. that he's been addicted. Yes. And what I'm saying, you see what money does to people. They get mm. in there. They do all sorts yep. of things for the, just that desire to have money. To, because you think the money will bring security to you. Instead of realizing that uh, God is the one who cares of everything what we have in life. And yeah. that's the big point which we, Jesus um, didn't answer directly to those two brothers, but told them a parable to see yeah. how foolishness is to put all your energy and efforts or things just in possessions, in money, instead of being right with God, to have a clear mind of how you can be part of the community, part yes. of God's plan with us all as sinners. Yeah. I think it's a very good a good uh, topic today, but at the same time, not an easy one to deal with because of our yeah. love for money. Yeah. Ken, you had a thought for us. Yeah, just a real quick one again, Brendan, just... Regarding the question you asked, another way you could look at that one is love your neighbor as yourself, as we find in Mark 12, verse 31. That's true. Yes. Any Anybody else? Have a look at verse 17, folks, just for a minute. What was the problem? Um, we've touched on so far in our, our brief study thus far, we have stated as a panel that it is not wrong intrinsically to be rich, that it is not of itself morally wrong to be rich. And there are certainly examples in the Old Testament. Isn't it interesting when you come to the New Testament, you don't find too many rich people. I always found that very interesting that there's not a lot of rich people mentioned in the New Testament. You've got Zacchaeus and a few people like that, but not a lot of people that that were rich. But what was this guy's problem? If it's not wrong to be rich, 
And obviously, where it says that his ground brought forth a plentiful harvest, I would suggest to you that we are not dealing with a person who's had one good year. You don't generally go out, Joe, and build another barn because you've had one good year. It would suggest to me that maybe there's been a succession of good years and that he has studied carefully because it says he he said to himself, this is what I will do. Uh, I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. Will, uh, do you have a thought for us? You made quick reference to verse 17, and I think you're talking about Deuteronomy 8. It says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, and immediately comes uh, a striking answer to his uh, statement in verse 18. But remember, the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and uh, so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is this day. In other words, yes, you do have wealth. You do have um, even even health and all the resources necessary to have live an abundant life. But remember, the Lord your God, it is he who gives you the ability. And I think that's why our focus needs to be, in return, should be on God. And that's where many of us make a mistake in wealth, is is that um, we live comfortably, but we forget uh, where that wealth is coming from and how what God expects us to do with our money, our time, and our talent in return. And there is, of course, the parable of the talents in the New Testament about that too, but that on another day. Well, that's a good comment, and it fits in with what, uh, Nick, you said earlier on about how wealth can change your thinking, particularly if you came from poverty and you eventually become very wealthy, it can change your thinking. Lydia, you had a thought for us as well. I was thinking in regard to this rich man that he had a year of plentiful and he decided to enlarge his barns, but he didn't think about those in need. So this is selfishness. This is greediness. So his example for me is a bad example. We don't need big quantities. Yeah, that's that's. uh, thank you, Ledger. That's a very good thought. I think you touched on the key thought there. He did not plan for others. All he planned for was to keep expanding his empire, so to speak. Jerry, you had um, something for us as well. Might be basically saying the same thing, but... um, Uh, It's okay. (laughs) It's interesting when you look at that verse 17 or... In fact, verse 16, uh, right. it, said, it talks about the ground of a certain rich man. So he was always, he was already rich. Yeah, it, it suggests he, that he was already rich. He yes. was already rich. And then he has a bumper crop. And then yeah. it's like he says, oh dear, now what? What do we do now? Well, he could have said, you know what? I've already got plenty. How about I'm, I, I, I be generous and, uh, and try and distribute my wealth here a bit somehow? But the focus is purely on himself yeah. and, and, and not on others. And, um, yeah. Jerry, that's a very good thought. Notice what it says. I will pull down my barns, store Mm. all my crops and my goods. Notice where the focus is, Nick. And also another thing here, which probably it's important to bring it to to our attention, is that he started to think a little bit different, which the Bible actually doesn't encourage. He obviously said now... I'm rich. I have even more than uh, I need. Uh, Now I can put my legs up 
I can yep. enjoy, I can go to see the world, I can do everything that I can for myself, uh, because I can. But the Bible says to work diligently every day, because work is a blessing. We fall into this temptation to be rich quickly, then we can have an easy life. I can tell you there is not such an easy life when you are rich. That's foolishness, because you'll be even more stressed up even though you may think that you travel the world and do all those things. And you may put yourself in more danger than you should be with being rich. By comparison, we may be able maybe to, as we go into this discussion, to bring some other examples in the Bible, like another rich man, Job. Job was rich. He was a support in the community. With his Um, riches, he was reaching out. To other people. And I think that was very different. And when he came to lose those things, his heart was not attached to those riches to lose his heart. He was blessing God and thanking God even for uh, everything was going on in life because his connection was with God, not with the riches. We find security too often in wealth, in riches instead of in God. Yeah, that's a good thought, Nick. Perhaps we could look at it from this particular angle. What interrupted his train of thought here in verse 20? He died. In other words, he hadn't prepared for the here and now while he was still alive. Some would say he had. Some would say, well, he pulled down his bones and built built bigger ones. But he really left no legacy. How do we know that? Because Jesus said, who then is going to get all these things? Tonight, your soul's going to be required of you, and who is going to get everything that you've got left? I think there's a very strong lesson there for us today. I would like to think that our legacy today that we leave, I'm talking about our spiritual legacy, as well as other types of legacies as well. The legacy to me, if I was required to die today, what would my legacy be? Would it be a legacy where others had been blessed because of my giving? And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about, as Joe said, about time. I'm talking about many other aspects. Are they the things that people would remember? Has my life helped people to know Jesus and be ready for his return? Because let's face it, this is a religious program and we're talking to people in some cases who are not religious. But we need to recognize that just the here and now, if you're living for just the here and now, you never know when that's going to be cut off. Joe, did you have any other thoughts for us? I was just going to mention that we could be mistaken in thinking that God is the enemy here. You know, he's a bit of a killjoy. You you know, that, you know, this guy has been, has set himself up for life. He's going to eat, drink and be merry. And God says, right, I'm going to strike you down. I don't think that's the case. I think it's. No, I don't think so. Yeah. No, but it's easily, it could easily be seen that way. It's just the, the brevity and unexpectability of life. That yeah. Um, sometimes, yeah, these things happen alike. That's true. So let's not give God, you know, like someone might hear that and think, oh, gee, God's a bit of a killjoy. <laughs> Was this his punishment? <laughs> well, if this guy went to a financial advisor, the financial advisor would probably tell him that he's uh, he's making very good plans. But what what he's done is he's left God out of all the plans and he has not recognised at any stage that all that he has comes from God. Otherwise, he wouldn't be using the term my goods, my barns, my crops, 
everything else. He does not recognize the ultimate source of where it all comes from. And that leads pretty well into our next question, Joe. You can't take it with you. (laughs) My wife went to the funeral of our neighbor here in Highbury many years ago. Dear old man and his wife who lived alongside us, he passed away. And she went to the funeral and she said, I don't remember a lot about the funeral, but I do remember the minister saying that there is no um, trailer behind a coffin. Now, Joe, I wondered if you would share a couple of texts with us on the subject of you can't take it with you when you go. Maybe uh-huh. expand a little bit on that for us, thanks. Okay. You know, when I was growing up, my mother would say, work hard while you're young so you don't have to when you are old. Uh, You might have been told those things. And sometimes we're consumed in acquiring things, assets, keeping busy. And in so doing, we rob ourselves of joy in an effort to be productive, making every moment count. Isn't this a capitalist society? But the high value, I'll read a quote by Hermann Hesse. Now, he was a a Swiss, German-Swiss poet, and he said, but the high value put upon every every minute of time the idea of hurry hurry as the most important objective of living is unquestionably the most dangerous enemy of joy i'd agree and hence we work 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 stress 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 but the truth is that, that no matter how great how rich or important one is one dies and then it's and you game can't over take it with you. You it's can't game take over it with you. you can't <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll read a couple of texts here. It says, Wherefore I perceive that there is nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his portion. For who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Well, I guess there was nothing wrong with the rich fool, except, you know, he could have enjoyed his money. He could have shared some of his joy with others, but yes. he chose not to. And so it says that it was his portion to enjoy his money. But um, he didn't. And, of course, it says, who shall bring him to see what shall be after him? Yes. And I've got another text here. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. How is a baby born? (laughs) In a suit? No. (laughs) (laughs) And it says, for when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. You might have mentioned or even thought about Tutankhamun, you know, when they opened that tomb, all manner of beautiful overlaid with gold and lapilazuli and all sorts of beautiful things, you know. And I think, Will, you brought up the Khufu in the, uh, yeah, the yes, pyramid. Yeah, yeah, there was this boat ready for his enjoyment in yeah. the afterlife. The truth is that it was broken down and wasted by time, sitting there doing nothing. So I'd like to um, I remind you, you probably have heard this, Malcolm Forbes coined the phrase, he who dies with the most toys wins. I'm not going to unpack that, but it certainly doesn't sound like winning to me. Mm. And Je- mm. But Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And I think, Will, you touched on that. And this is, you know, you can't take it with you. Do not, you know, spend your life endanger your soul, lose your soul over it. It's just not worth it. Thank you, Joe. Any other thoughts, Matt, panel members, on that one about not taking it with you? Will, you have some wisdom for us on this one. <laughs> I have a little practical situation at the moment. Well, our, practical is good. Our old bed 
needs replacing and to discover the differences in the prices between the various <laughs> sizes of the beds. I stumbled on an image on, on the internet and the image is entitled King Size Bed. Yes. And I wondered uh, what about how big is a king size bed, but I certainly didn't expect what I saw in the picture next. It was a picture of the straw-filled manger that held the baby Jesus. King size <laughs> bed, king size bed. <laughs> and then it dawned on me <laughs> that the king of the universe had humble beginnings on earth and continued to live a selfless life. Uh, you know, in a simple way, Brenton, it reminded me that simplicity and frugality is enough to live a happy life. Why should I even think of pandering to excessive needs, building larger bonds, <laughs> self-indulgence, covet something outside my basic needs in life? David said that I am old, but I was young, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you, Will. Nick? Just uh, as um, Joe was sharing a little bit earlier there, that uh, uh, we put a lot of efforts in um, during our life. And when we are young, to achieve, to work hard, to do those things, nothing wrong with that. And, it, you know, when you are young, you have more energy, yeah. more power, go for it. Uh, but you have to keep in mind uh, the results. And it came in my mind, uh, I believe a very wise thing which somebody told me when I was young. An elderly man told me that uh, when you are young, you use all your energy and strength to earn money and uh, work long hours and you miss out on sleep and all those things. And when you grow old, you have a lot of money and you spend all those money to go to the doctor and to fix those things which you damage <laughs> when, uh, when you worked hard to, to gain those money. And I thought it was a very wise thing. And we should consider that we should do everything in life in uh, moderation in a way that will, uh, the holistic approach of whole things. Yes. Yeah. And in the community, that's very important. You know, sometimes we working so hard to achieve things and we don't know what's going around us in the neighborhood, mm. in the community, with our, even with our own family. We yeah. don't know what's going on in our own family because we are so busy to. We're so obsessed with making money or getting to, rich. Yeah, or to get rich. Yeah. To get rich. And oh, it's a lot of implication with these things. I hope that yeah. in this generation, in these times we live in, we'll take some lessons from um, the yeah. wisdom. Nick, you've touched on a good point, I think, about where we're discussing what. You can't take it with you. And yet many parents today, because they're so obsessed with getting ahead, their way of dealing with maybe their children is to buy them things. Isn't it amazing that uh, often you'll find these ch very children when they get older saying, I don't want the things that you're buying me. I just want your time. I want your attention. And that's the one thing that they're missing. So I wonder in this discussion, if you can't take it with you, should we should be focusing more than just money. Should we be looking at how much time and how much effort do we put into helping others? 
they're the things that people are going to remember. I would suggest to you that the time you spend with people for them may ultimately prove to be more important than how much money you've spent or given them. Once the money's been spent, it's gone. But the time that you've spent, the attention that you've paid to them. While you have the opportunity, be generous, because as has already been mentioned, we don't know how long we have that opportunity. And um, yeah, I'm jumping the gun a bit here, perhaps. No, that's okay. Okay, there's um, uh, Paul in his closing comments to Timothy in his uh, in his first epistle says to uh, Timothy, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. And then it says in verse 18, let them do good that they may be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share. Okay, Nick, you came from a society in Romania that was agrarian, what we would call agricultural. I think you came from a farm, didn't you, or or something like that? I don't know how many of our other panel members have come from a farm. I was always a city boy, born and bred in the city, so I can't uh, speak to any of these things. There's an interesting um, text in Proverbs that talks about um, flocks and herds, Nick, I wonder how we would explain that to someone who's listening to us in 2023. What do you think uh, the writer of it, obviously Solomon, is talking about? Yes, uh, indeed, uh, Brenton, you're right. Uh, I grew up at a beautiful uh, region in Transylvania, uh, the farm, which people may not uh, consider uh, very touristic, you know, but I consider it very beautiful, very... Um, it's a lovely, lovely part of the world. Yeah, I'll very be- remote, but... Uh, my childhood was really enriched and I was blessed to grow up there. And I learned lessons for my whole life in the first few years there. Now, I left that region, to be honest, when I was 14 years old. I left home, to say so. Right. And um, I went to the city and uh, then from there on, uh, I arrived even to the other side of the world here in Australia. But... Uh, I learned some wonderful lessons. And let me take you to the passage which you referred yes. to. Yes. It's in uh, Robert 27. Mm. And I'm looking for uh, verse 23 and 24. Very interesting here in, in this translation is New Living Translation. But if you leave, if you read in other translations, will be also good. It says, know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds, for riches don't last forever, and the crown might not be passed to the next generation. Now, you may think what's, what this has to do with our discussion uh, today, to care about your uh, flocks and uh, not to be position and exploiting even your flock. We live in a time when we exploit everything just to gain some money. We, we don't realize that we're cutting the branch under our legs. And I had the privilege to grow, grow up in a village which were, were linking very much as in a community. Sure. People are building big barns. We had big barns because we are, um, you know, shepherds and we have to collect the hay and the thing for the winter time and, but, you know, we are sharing with each other. 
Some people may run out of uh, yeah. of uh, what they um, collected during the summer, and yes. we are sharing. And you know what amazes me many times that we didn't pay money. We are just sharing from each other, and the next year maybe some other person needed more. And it was wonderful to see that thing. I cannot even uh, now uh, process in yes. the society we live today, and particularly here in the Western world, yeah. how individualistic oriented we are, yes. how selfish we can be, even though we may think that we are not. But yeah. we are all the time interested first to secure ourselves. That's the thing. Instead of how to live together in the community. And there was a question a bit earlier. I think, Brenton, you mentioned that that in, in an early church, there are not so many rich, rich people, people, even right. though it mentioned few of them there. But we know that they live in in community and they have things in common. I mean, they put all the things together and we de- just dealt yep. with that uh, the previous uh, study. But yep. my point today is that we need to go back to those principles which the Bible teaches, even as we see the world, which direction is taking right now. However much the Bible warns against the rich trampling on the poor or being greedy with their wealth, Scripture never condemns wealth or uh, people's efforts to acquire wealth. Provided, of course, uh, that they don't uh, do it in uh, dishonestly or um, through oppression or other things, as, as I mentioned. But I believe we need to realize that when we gain something that belongs to God already, even sure. though we, we gain that thing, that belongs to God. And whatever we do, we need to keep in mind that mm-hmm. thing. How can we be supportive in growing the kingdom yeah. of God in reaching out to people in whatever means is needed. And yeah, Nick, they're, they're good thoughts. I, th- I think uh, the focus here also is though on um, making necessary preparations for yourself and for your family for the future. I believe Proverbs 27 is also referring to that when it says, know the state of your flocks. What I would say today is something along these lines. Know your financial situation. Know your incomings and your outgoings. The problem that we deal with today, and I'm happy for any comments from the panel on this one, is I would suggest to you that the bulk of people that I know personally often live from just pay to pay. Asking them to sit down and plan their financial future, they're struggling to get by from one pay to another. Mm-hmm. So I think what um, what you've read, Nick, is good. I think he he says you shall have enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household and the nourishment of your thing. I think we're being told also, Nick, to be wise financial managers. Yeah, absolutely right, Brenton. And I thanks for reminding me uh, that thing again, because that's what I was going to say, actually, growing up at the farm, we we raised sheep. And, you know, many times we had to make decisions not to sell, for example, the lambs and all those things because we want to make sure yes. that we have for next year and the year yep. after yep. The, the flock to be able to provide for a family because the temptation is to say, okay, it's a good price now 
let's sell yeah. this uh, amount of uh, sheep or whatever it is. And you but may it, be shortchanging yourself in the future. That's yeah. correct. But we had to make decisions yeah. of how to provide for the family, as you just sure. said, for the next year and uh, even the year after, because that's how you renew your stock. And yeah, um, yeah very good uh, point. And I think yeah, yeah. that should not be missed that uh, we are here and entrusted with God's blessings yeah. to be able to uh, wisely, wisely yeah. share yeah. it and provide yeah. for absolutely. Um, I'd agree. Jerry, you've got some uh, principles to share with us from First Timothy six seventeen and Proverbs. Yeah, thanks, Brent. I, I think I've already touched uh, briefly on First Timothy six verse seventeen. Yeah, but that's fine. Yeah, it, yeah, it says that command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, not to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now it's interesting how what what is wealth? What is it's said that health. Is wealth. Yes, it is. Do you agree? Your health I is would. your wealth. And that's something Jesus can't buy. But, um, I think the text brace basically brings out, don't trust in something that is here, can be here today and gone tomorrow. The uncertainty of riches. I, I've never had a desire to be rich, but I've always had a desire to be successful. If in the process of being successful, I become rich, what can you say? Rotten luck. I'll have to deal with that somehow. And don't forget, God knows how much you can handle. If you are focused on the Lord then uh, and stay focused, that's your only safe place to be. In Proverbs 30, verses 7 and 8, in fact, um, verse 9, I've added two, if I may. It says, two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies from me. Amen. I'd agree give on that. Neither, <laughs> yeah. And then he goes on to say, interestingly, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. And in verse 9 it says, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So from this verse I'm seeing what he's suggesting is, you know, basically just be happy with your, with what God gives you. Yes. Yeah. Don't desire to be rich. Because would, that that be God, would that be godliness with contentment is great gain, do you think? Indeed. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Let me just read something else from, um, this is a, a quote from a lady called Ellen G. White uh, in her book, Testimonies to the Church. And it says there, I saw that many withhold from the cause while they live, quieting their consciences that they will be charitable at death. They hardly dare exercise faith and trust in God to give anything while living. But this deathbed charity is not what Christ requires of his followers. It cannot excuse the selfishness of the living. Those who hold fast their property till the last moment surrender it uh, to death rather, rather than to the cause. Losses are occurring continually. Banks fail and property is consumed in very many ways. Many purpose to do something, but they delay the matter. And Satan works to prevent the means from coming into the treasury at all. It is lost before it is returned to God and Satan exalts that it is so. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Mm. So how, how tragic is that then, where you had the opportunity yep. to do something really good for God by, uh, and we've said, you know, you can do all kinds of things for God, and it doesn't always have to be money. But if, perchance, uh, you have succeeded to the point where you've accumulated a lot of wealth, in, in financial wealth, mm. wouldn't it be a blessing to be able to give that back in, in God's service yes. and say, 
while you are alive and while you can see the benefits of of returning it to the Lord, isn't it more blessed to give than to receive? It's easy for me to say because I'm not I'm not a, a wealthy I'm not a rich person. Uh, but um, I would like to think that if I was ever in that position, that I would be generous. I think you've touched on some good points there. Um, there's another point that's pretty important in making a will. It is important, I believe, to make a will because if you don't make a will, and I can reflect on a situation that happened to me as a minister where one of my church members did not go through the necessary process despite the fact that I talked to him about it. He said to me one day, he said, I'd like you to be the executor of my will. I said, that's a conflict of interest. I can't do that. However, I would suggest that you you go and make a will and appoint an executor because if you don't, uh, the public trustee will become the government, will become the executor of your will. And you can rest assured that if they devise your estate on your behalf, it won't go to charitable organisations. It may go to things like building roads. It may go to uh, various other aspects, but it will not go to things that maybe you wanted them to go to. But because of your negligence in not um, specifying specifically what you wanted the money to go to, we had quite a lot of fun and games after he'd passed away with trying to deal with his will because uh, the government uh, became the executor of his estate. And um, I believe some of the things that could have been done weren't done because the government views things in a very different way. I believe this is why God tells us to make plans for the future, to work out where you want not just your money, but um, the things that you see as being important that will bless others. He, he wants us to go about doing that. Ken, there are some key points about giving now rather than leaving it until we're no longer in a position to be able to control or determine it. Can you share those with us, please? There are a number of points here, but we are running short of time. I'm going to keep this as short as The donor actually can see the results of the gift. A new church building, a young person in college, an evangelistic campaign funded, and so on. Another one would be the ministry or person can benefit now when the need is greatest. There is no fighting amongst family or friends after your death. It sets a good example for family values of generosity and love for others. It demonstrates that the heart of the donor has changed from selfish to unselfish. And more importantly as well, it stores up treasure in heaven. And one of the sad things I find about in life is this, and it's a well-known saying, I'm sure you've all heard it, you cannot put an old head in young shoulders. Recently, my ex-employer, a wonderful gentleman who I'm still very friendly with, he had celebrated his 60th birthday, and his comment was, my goodness, where has these years gone? And I remember when I was younger, I couldn't wait till I was 21, which is a big mistake because when I reached 21, up until then, time seemed to go very, very slow. And then one day I realized I'm 50, and I blinked, and then I was 60. Now I'm in the 70s, and I thought, Frankie, where's this time going? Well, really, you do have to prepare as soon as you can because you never know what the day is going to bring. Good um, counsel there, Ken. One of the points you mentioned was the fact that if you have made a will and it's very clear what's happening and you've discussed that, uh, there is going to be no fighting and bickering after you've gone. Often you see the worst of people when a will is read and people are not aware 
of what the situation is going to be. I did a funeral not that long ago where the family were feuding and still are feuding over the uh, the will. And uh, let's put it this way. I was happy to do the funeral for the deceased, but um, it pained me, it hurt me to see the relationship of the immediate family to one another. And it was all over the issue of who was going to get the uh, what mum had left behind. And uh, I think in, in doing this, in one of the ones you shared there, Ken, in uh, going and uh, setting it out very clearly beforehand what's happening with the will, it takes away a lot of those issues. Just quickly. Very, very quickly, I want to say something here because, you know, even with the will, we're talking about the will. I know many cases when there are big disputes and... Uh, even though the will was put in place and not necessarily that the will sort out everything. The only problem is that, um, yeah, the will is something legal, which um, avoids uh, some of legal issues. But what I wanted to say, it's a little bit like this. Now I'm not sure. And I, I don't want to speak uh, on, on this too much in the Western society. Probably it's a little bit different, but where I grew up, if you, Put in your will. And if you say, even verbally, you don't need them to write down there much because people trusted in what you say, you know, mm-hmm. and respect that. If you put in your will to donate some portion of your money or whatever your estate uh, to organizations like a church or something to go to help people, like uh, to give back to God. That's the whole thing we're talking yes. to here. Very few people I know that they really argue with that because we have in ourselves that sort of thing of a spiritual thing. You know, if it's donated to God, uh, you cannot fight against that, you know, because God cares of of everything. I think this is a bit of wisdom here uh, to consider that, to give back to God. I mean, everything belongs to God and how we'll do it. Yeah. May God help us to have enough wisdom do you, do you to do think it in the right God way. Is, yeah, do you think that God has given us the wisdom to determine what is appropriate to give back to him? Because he's given us a brain to use and thinking processes to exercise. I think it's important for us to use those. Lydia, in closing our study for today, I'd like you to read a text from First Chronicles uh, regarding David's preparations for the temple, even though he was not around when the temple was built. I wonder if this gives us an idea of what laying up treasure in heaven could mean. Would you like to share that with us? Thanks. Yeah, sure. I would like to read from the First Chronicles, chapter 29, verse 2 to 5, which is the declaration of King David. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of God. Gold for the gold work, silver, bronze, iron, and wood, as well as onyx for the settings, turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this whole temple, 3,000 talents of gold and Mm. 7,000 talents of refined silver for the overlaying of the walls of the buildings, for the gold work and the silver work 
and for all the work to be done by the craftsmen. Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? So here the example of King David, that he was so generous. And as he is saying, I have provided for the temple of my God. And he gave, so uh, he was willing to build the, um, the temple of the Lord, but God didn't allow him to do it. But he prepared everything for his son, Solomon. Do you think that this is a wise example of financial planning or planning for the future? It was a very wise plan. And also, I would like to mention that when Solomon received all the plans for his father, David, he went in his room and he prayed to God and he prayed and he Talk to God and God got back to him and God asked, he said, whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead these people for, uh, for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Yeah. So Solomon and David didn't work on their own. They asked God to give them wisdom yes. But this is a very good example for us also to go I think so. to God yeah. and mm. pray and ask for his wisdom. Yeah, I think so. I would like to just say this, what uh, Lydia was mentioning about this uh, example with uh, David. You see, he was very generous. He was providing for the need for the temple of God. Even though he had a big family, he could have said, hey, I have big family here. I need to carefully distribute all my wealth to my family. It's interesting that God took care of his family. And we have the example yes, of, of uh, Solomon now, his yep. son. When uh, Solomon could have been upset, saying, oh, my father uh, put all his, uh, or whatever, much of his wealth into the temple, and mm-hmm. I miss out of some of those um, riches. But you see, he went to thank God of what his father did. And uh, then God says, now you ask me what you want. Yes. And God blessed him because he was wise enough to ask for wisdom rather for the money. But God says, because you ask for wisdom to govern my people, now I will give you riches. You Mm. don't need to relay on the riches of your uh, ancestors. And this is another thing, a take-home lesson, my dear friend, today, how I learn uh, myself. The lesson is for me today that uh, we need to trust in God. If we provide, if we are working too hard to provide only for the family to come, we may not do a good thing for those people because we may encourage them to be lazy. We may encourage them not to appreciate what they received. We believe that we need to trust in God and give ourselves to God with everything what we do. And God will take care of all the needs. As he took care of our needs now, he will take care of all other needs. That's my take-home lesson. No, that, that's a good one, Nick. In our planning for the future and when we're making our wills and devising our estates, I wonder where the priority of the work of God is is placed. In the case of David, it was pretty obvious what Lydia read to us. Can I suggest that we use it wisely, use um, 
of the devising of our estates and that. Use it, not just money, but whatever we can use to help others. Use it wisely to bless others now and sustain the spread of the gospel, both today and in the future. And I would like to say to our listeners, may God bless you as you consider what we have studied today in our study. Where is your priority? Uh, Are you planning to help the work of God? Are you planning to help others today? Are you planning for the future? Are you planning for when you're not around anymore? These are the things I think we need to consider in our study today. Giving back, really, when all is said and done, we could put it this way. Whatever we give back to God is only a fraction of what he's given to us. Joe, I wondered if you would uh, close with prayer for us. Thanks. Certainly. Father, we thank you for the blessings in our lives. Help us to give back to you and be generous and share with others. We thank you that you watch over us all throughout our lives. Even when we get old, you are still there. Help us to trust you and not get anxious and fearful about things, especially when life gets challenging. Think of David's prayer. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. He trusted you implicitly, and we pray that all who seek you may find the rest that you promise for their souls. We know that you will turn no one away, whether it is after a lifetime of following you or anyone just hearing about you for the first time. You are a good God, a great God, and we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for um, uh, your participation today. Uh, indeed, this was um, a study always when uh, money or financial uh, things are involved. Uh, there are lots of things to say, and uh, we may not pretend that we know everything and say everything uh, rightly, but we'll like to look into the Bible to see what the Bible provides for us. Now, we are continuing um, a couple of more studies on this uh, great topic, managing for the master till he comes. And we are going to look into a very uh, important uh, topic next time. And I'll invite you, my dear friend, to join us again next time, because we are going to learn a little bit more. Uh, to manage in tough times. And I believe uh, we see things going around. Uh, We mentioned even today that uh, uh, things are looking quite um, grimy uh, in some aspects. Uh, Let's prepare. Let's learn from the Bible how to manage things, to, to cope even during those tough times. Until then, may God richly bless you and, uh, Continue to trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, walking in his footsteps.